Agency Accounting. Hello. <laughs> I look down for one second. Intro we have now. <laughs> I look down for one second. I missed the introduction. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast dedicated to all things movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, we talk about the news, the latest breaking news. We talk about thoughts about things we've experienced, all of that, and much, much more. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We have thoughts of everything today. Oh, we have lots to talk about today. But, but was... first off, I would like to say I never oh. thought this day would come. Okay. Um, because yesterday felt like forever. Uh-huh. It just kept going on yeah. and on and on. Uh-huh. Like I was trapped in some sort of hellish nightmare. Okay. Which I had to make the best of it. Almost as if it was like, I don't know, Groundhog Day. Or Palm Springs, but yes. <laughs> yes, yesterday was Groundhog's Day. We all, Groundhog we, Day. We, all no we all survived, though. We woke up the next morning and it was the third. So we're all good. Yes, but it is lovely to hear your voice. Something fresh. <laughs> so the same. Around thing over and over again but yes uh, as that as mike insinuated today is february the 3rd 2021 we are still existing in this brand new year of 2021 let's get rolling Uh, episode 265 if you want to keep count yeah 265 we're getting up there um so yeah let's get rolling right into it we always start the podcast with movies just a real quick hit on the box office um the theatrical slash hbo max co-release the little things is your number one movie this year or this week uh, with $4.7 million, but that's really small numbers. So I'm not even going to talk about the rest of that list. Well, everything um, else was under 2 million on that list. So yeah, not worth, not worth discussion. Um, but as for the little things, we will be talking about that in a little bit after we talk about the news stories. So before we get on that subject, let's talk about movie news with our first story talking about Apple winning a bidding war. So as we talked about last week or maybe two weeks ago, um, Sundance Film Festival happened digitally. um, And one of the big films over at Sundance was a film called Coda. It is a Sundance sensation about a young hearing, hmm, Young hearing. Is that a typo? Is there a word that's missing from that sentence? Nope. That is correct. She's a young hearing girl who grapples with breaking away from her deaf family. Right. The hearing is to differentiate her from her deaf family. Got it. Yes. Uh, The studio paid close to $25 million, the studio being Apple, um, breaking last year's record-setting Palm Springs sale a.k.a. Media Boat Podcast's favorite movie of 2020, mm-hmm. north of $22 million. That the bidding is war $22 included... million and 69 cents because nice. Andy Samberg wanted to break the previous record yes. of $22 million. Nice, nice, nice. Well done. Uh, the bidding war included interest from Netflix and Amazon, with the latter keen on getting the film, but did not have the bandwidth to release the film in 2021. Of course, you might know probably why, Amazon has had, uh, let's say, a lot of money uh, spent already on other franchises, 
most notably the Lord of the Rings purchase that they made a couple of years back. Apple acquired worldwide rights to the project and is said to be in the process of buying out pre-sold international territories that helped finance production. The massive sale should quell any fears about the viability of Sundance as a sales market, despite the global pandemic. It's just the buyers have changed. Notably, you'll see that all of the players in this bidding war were streaming networks. The traditional networks were not bidding as much money. This is a sea change. And I think it's one of the many, many things, just like we talked about in our year-end wrap-up shows for 2020, for 2020, that have changed because of the pandemic. A lot of hands being forced. And in this case, the hands for being forced is that the traditional studios cannot compete with the money that these streaming companies have access to. Uh, because these streaming companies get these monthly fees from everybody, which is constant mm -hmm. money rolling in. Whereas it's not only that, studios though. can't get box office. It's not only that, though. They're also not completely 100% reliant on their movie business. They have other venues for their, for their profit. They have other ways to gain money. Amazon specifically, Apple specifically. All these companies have other ways to kind of create this capital to buy films with. So not surprised. Like yeah, McDonald's so, and being a real estate company. Yeah. Or Domino's and <laughs> not, not Domino's. Uh, what is it? Little Caesars and being a delivery company. <laughs> exactly. Trucking company. We you know, can keep their prices so low. Put your hands in all sorts of pies, or in that case, pizza pies. Uh, oh, do we have so yeah, look episode? forward. To, uh, I mean, that's a no, month away from now. No, that, that's no, a month thing. But, that's a March well, thing. Well, get yourself a pie regardless. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Apple, look forward to Coda probably sometime next year on Apple TV Plus, or sometimes later this year, I guess, because they said 2021 release, so. Yeah, um, looking forward to that. Um, other Apple-related news, uh, side news, they had a pretty good weekend this past week as people decided to stream the new Justin Timberlake movie, Palmer. Yeah. We I was did not. Not one of those people, uh, <laughs> because that movie looks super boring to me. Um, but, but yeah, maybe if I hear enough good, uh, word of mouth, maybe I'll check it out because I've been on a, on a tear doing things just because I can lately. And you know what? I might have time for it. So we'll get, uh, we may get to Palmer next week, but we have more movie, movie news to get to. Yeah. Our second story here is about the stop motion studio, Leica, them of, of course, Coraline, uh, Kubo, and the Two Strings. So a string of very critically well-received um, stop-motion films. So critically received, every single one of their animation films has been nominated for an Academy Award. Yes, yeah. including la last year or two years ago. Their last major picture, which was Missing Link, was oh, nominated. Yeah, I, I forgot about the existence of... Most people do. Missing Link. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fitting, considering it's the myth missing link. But uh, they're using some of their success for good. The Oscar-nominated Animation House is donating the, their funds to build a stop-motion animation studio at Bowie State University, marking the first such undertaking at a historically Black college and university. The partnership is designed to boost the university's animation curriculum and provide a direct pathway to the animation industry. The relationship grew from internships into a longer-term investment, with Leica now funding upgrades to Bowie State's green screen studio. Said Tuadras 
Melchishua Williams, I probably butchered the middle name there, but I apologize, chair of the BSU Department of Fine and Performing Arts, quote, we are looking at this partnership to be an internship and career pipeline that can help diversify the animation industry, which has been a traditionally underrepresented, underrepresented sector when it comes to the voices of people of color, women, LGBTQ, and other communities. This is a cool move. You don't see a whole lot of uh, studios of any kind partnering with historically black colleges and universities. And it's good to see this as a, uh, a move for diversity, especially in animation. And animation for decades has been dominated by white men. So this is encouraging. Yeah, uh, I saw the story, thought it shouldn't be swept under the rug. And so that's why yeah. we're calling it out right now. It's a bold move and hopefully yeah. more studios kind of get in on this that there's a lot of stories out there to tell from a lot of diverse backgrounds and one way to do that is mm -hmm. to get them right out of college yeah and that's the other kind of half of the story is not only is it good for diversity but it's also good for bringing in new blood um i think also the industry the animation industry has a bad habit of being run by very old men too and so it's good to have a little bit of younger um in, younger influence in the in the system as well wasn't that um, Disney's code name the old white men yeah exactly department? yeah disney was the nine old men for a reason because there were yeah. men and they were all old um but real quick i just wanted to say this is um kind of relevant to recent um critical, not backlash necessarily, but some takes that uh, are coming out about Pixar's soul over th since its release. Um, I kind of mentioned this obliquely when we talked about it the first week. We talked about it on the podcast, but just to reiterate, yes, they had lots of consultants for that film and they, they did work with a lot of black people to um, kind of craft what it ended up being, but you can still see a big difference between something made originally created by a, a black creator or black creators and something that is still helmed by um, white people. I've seen a lot of takes on Soul that have brought up some salient points about, well, there's a lot of weird things on the, the edges of this film that while the film as a whole, I think is really good, are questionable when you're coming from, is this a good representation of the black community, this, of black, the black experience? This stuff like this, stuff that like is doing is built to keep that kind of conversation from happening. It'll have a lot more perspectives and with more perspectives, more specific perspectives, more of the audience is going to be able to see their own lives reflected back at them, which is good. Yep. And like has always been in direct competition with Pixar in the animation department. Oh yeah. Especially Oscar season. Different animations. <laughs> yeah. One's stop motion, one's computer. Uh, but um, since you touched on it real quick, um, Soul did get a lot of nominations for the NAACP Image Awards. It did. Recently came out. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't have the bandwidth this week to talk about those. <laughs> uh, no, because other awards got nominated. Yeah, we have some other <laughs> nominations to talk about, which I haven't actually seen. That will be a fresh take because I had an extremely busy day today. I did not have time to look at them, but- uh, uh, yeah. I almost missed this, which is why it's just a big block of text. <laughs> but we'll get there. Yes, we'll we know, there. we realize half of it is a, a movie story, but we put it in the television section just for economical purposes. <laughs> well, it started as a TV story before the nominations came out. Yeah. 
But before we get there, uh, we have some thoughts to get through because we actually watched some movies. So do you want to talk about the one that we both watched or do you want to get the one that you watched uh, besides that? uh, I'll get that one out of the way because it's real quick. So both of these movies that we're going to talk about are available right now via HBO Max. Right now. The one I'm talking about right now is an HBO Max original, Mm -hmm. Fake Famous, which... I didn't know about until I opened it up today and saw, hey, it's promoting this thing. (laughs) I might as well watch it. Speaking of promoting things, it's a new month. A lot of new stuff dropped on your streaming services. Take a look at what's there and what's left. Yeah. But anyways, back to Fake Famous. Uh, It's a documentary on a social experiment to make three relatively unknown people social media influencers and what can happen and kind of like what it takes to do it to be it interesting take on the dark side of that because i don't use social media that much i'm not instagram on it every day liking following different things i'm occasionally check facebook twice three times a day (laughs) twitter probably the same twice three times a day because me influencing outside people i do that here on a weekly basis (laughs) sure you could say that hey my influences have mattered talk to my sister about it (laughs) um so for me this is my area of influence you know recommending moves giving my thoughts giving my takes news of the week Mm -hmm. being an actual social media influencer however, as Fake Famous goes into, is a lot of work, but also, here's where we get the explicit rating, (laughs) is a lot of bullshit, a lot of fuckery, a lot of Hollywood magic thrown about to make it look like you are this affluent influencer who goes to Mm -hmm. these ritzy hotels in order to eventually get access to said actual ritzy hotels. It's all about how you fake the persona mm-hmm. in order to basically it's the fake it till you make it scenario. Yeah. You fake it so much that people think it's real. So that way you actually get to do the things you were actually faking. Is this a documentary? Or is this uh, fictional documentary? Okay. So it follows, uh, they put a casting call out, which was one line. Do you want to be famous? <laughs> and so they got, about 200 people to come in for it, to audition for it. And out of it, picked three different influencers, like growing small influencers yeah. who had like maybe 1,500, 2,000 followers and try to get them to that peak level of people sending them free stuff, free advertising, and kind of like what happens on your rise up to it and people you meet and kind of this whole social constructed ladder that we as a society have created using these likes and shares and comments in a digital marketplace where none of that really holds any tangible value. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is explored early on with talking about how bots are created and why it's a good thing and why it's a bad thing and how simple bots, as we know, can influence a lot of different aspects in a digital marketplace. Yeah. It's a lot, and it's very interesting. I don't want to kind of spoil how those three uh, influencers uh, ended up, 
But I will say that this was filmed right up until March of last year. Which, as we all know, when the world shut down. So it does kind of have an abrupt ending. Yeah. But I think that they ultimately got all they wanted out of it. And obviously you could have gone more on had things not turned uh, for the worst. But seeing their rise through to 2018 and 2019 of trying to be social media influencers and this kind of social experiment of doing all the fake stuff and how it like takes a toll on you have how you have to keep it up mm-hmm. in order to keep the good times rolling is an interesting take. Uh, I would check it out if you're interested in that kind of social media influencer lifestyle and what it takes to actually like be the big influencer you see and you actually want to (laughs) be but it's kind of interesting i had fun watching it but also i have no interest in being an influencer so it was more of a (laughs) let's see how the darker half lives shall we yeah let's see how these people like why do they do this what's going on in their brains let's like kind of pick their brain about like what's interesting to about this to them what are they trying to get to like what is the end goal here yeah because that's the fascinating part yep uh so yeah that's hbo max check it out fake famous uh i would give it a watch oh okay that's a string that for us yeah i i hadn't heard of it um, at all. So HBO is not doing a very good marketing job. Well, like but I said, I just saw it today and figured, hey, why not? Probably because they're too busy marketing this thing, the next movie we're going to talk about. Okay, can we throw quotes around movie here? <laughs> it is a movie. It's out in theaters, even if you want to risk your life to see it. It's got, you know, movie stars in it. It has a script. I mean, the structure is there tries um well, it has star power behind it you're right denzel washington yeah rami malik jared leto i so, believe they all have the hardware to back yeah. it up so i really really want to get your take on this first before i start talking about it because this is not a genre that i'm usually like into watching of like a genre of movie like period that i'm into watching this is not the kind of movie that i watch i purely put this on because I was like, okay, new HBO Max movie. This is the first of their theatrical releases this year that they're putting on the service for free. Right. That was Wonder like, Woman. Because that was last year. And then I was like, yeah, um, I guess I could have something to talk about on the podcast. And Michael probably watch it. So sure, I'll give this a try. Then two hours later, I was kind of like, now why did I do this again? So I really want to get your take on this because I'm not the I am not the audience I think that this movie is looking for, but you've probably seen more movies around this kind of ballpark. So if you like Seven, yes, the <laughs> 1997, six, seven, eight film. It's around then, yeah. Starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, uh, who are two detectives, one black, one white, as they try and chase a killer. And you like Seven. Go watch Seven again. You'll have a better time <laughs> than watching uh, The Little Things. Oh. So, yeah. So, this is basically Seven, mm-hmm. but inconclusive as yeah. 
it's the exact same setup of old detective, young, new detective working on a string of murder cases, all related. And they have a, except here's the difference in they have a potential suspect and try to frame said suspect being Jared Leto. Hmm. Who is hamming it up in this thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, if you wanted to look as guilty as possible, (laughs) you did a good job, Jared Leto, because (laughs) you looked guilty, you acted guilty, everything you... Oh, I guess we should say we're spoiling this movie, because that is... guilty or innocent yet. Okay, fair enough, but yeah, it might be a little spoily. And direct, direct acting was all to make you feel like he is guilty of this. No, I, you're right. But what I'm saying is I feel like the movie does not want you to know that it will not have a conclusion. So us saying already that it does not really have a conclusion to the a solved crime is kind of a spoiler. So I just wanted to say that. I mean, that's I mean, yes, it is a big spoiler, but it's also kind of what pissed me off about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Uh, so, yes, needless to say, with that kind of remark, I was angry at this film. <laughs> so, okay, so I want to kind of get your can get your take on like what you think went wrong here. So. Structure-wise, it seems pretty by the numbers, right? Like, they, they do the things that they need to do. It, it feels like, to me, that they're trying to balance the, the a procedural-type kind of film that hits all of the beats of a crime movie, a cop movie, and tries to get that done by the end of it so you feel at least that part of, like, what you want from this movie is fulfilled. But then it also is trying to be this character study, where it wants you to really care about Denzel Washington's character and his background, be curious about what's happened and why he's here and all this mystery kind of surrounding his professional life. And it also wants you purportedly to care about Rami Malek and his relationship with his family and that he's just a good cop who's just trying to do a good job. And so it's trying to balance those two things. And I feel like it does neither of them well, where it's like, it doesn't do enough of the cop stuff to make you want to see the end of the crime which is again part of the problem is that it leaves it ambiguous so you're like well they're not good cops because they've totally failed at doing this correctly but it also fails on the character study part the movie doesn't care about Rami Malek barely at all and Rami Malek isn't doing a very good like a good enough job acting in this thing to make you care about him the level that the plot needs you to and then Denzel Washington, I think, is the actual only person here acting. Um, <laughs> he does a pretty a pretty good job, I think, throughout of being the character that he is. But by the end of it, you're like, you feel, I just felt like the movie underserved his character arc. It was like, well, I guess that's just it. There is no character arc. He's basically, at the end of the movie, the same place that he was the whole time. And yeah, it's just like, I feel like every... Thing that this movie wants to do it totally fails at okay i think you watched the movie wrong <laughs> can, can you do that can you watch it yes watch because and this has to deal with editing uh-huh. because there's technically two cases going on at the same right. time 
Correct. You're trying to unwrap the puzzle that is Denzel Washington's past. Yeah. While at the same time trying to unravel the answer to the mystery of who is killing these girls, who's going on this killing spree, murder, <laughs> homicide. Yeah. Right. Like in present day. Because they're connected is the is the thing that's not the thing it's well no no okay because they're you're 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 told at one point that they're possibly connected oh okay so no they're not connected (laughs) at all they're not the same murders but what i'm saying is that the movie doesn't necessarily spell that out for you it's a slow burn yes but what they're trying to get at is that Denzel Washington is steps ahead in this process mm-hmm. because he's already gone down this path with his own case that you're trying to unravel. What did he do to make him leave the force for so long? Right. While at the same time, going down the path that is Rami Malik, who is on this literal same path that Denzel Washington's already on and Denzel Washington is trying to do everything you can to stop that, to take all the hits, all the blame, and trying to keep right. Rami Malik as pure as possible. Yeah, no. Being I, the good cop. Oh, don't get me wrong. I realize all of that. I figured all that out as well, because the movie does not do, the movie tells you all of these things. What I'm saying is that the movie doesn't do a very good job of making you care about any of it. Oh, no, oh, you're right about that. It's a terrible <laughs> job about caring. That's about it. what I mean when I say that it fails to do so. Is because even though I know that it's like oh like the you know in the climax of the film it's very clear that that the lines have intersected, Rami Malek has now reached the place that Denzel has, like they they are they they are two passing trains at night you know like whatever metaphor you want to use and but you look but at that moment you're thinking like you think back to the the movie you just watched to get you here and you're like yeah but. The stakes don't feel high enough. Was the journey worth it? Yeah, the stakes don't feel no. high enough for Rami Malek because there's no scene anywhere in this movie where he's really confronting his wife and his family about the possibility of going down this dark path, right? There's no, there's, I mean, there's oblique references to it and there's the scene and there's a lot of scenes with the family, but there's not really a feeling I ever got that Rami Malek had stakes, that there was enough reason for him to not do what he was going to do. And here's where Jared Leto comes into this thing, right. because he makes the offhand comments about Rami Malek's family and children, mm-hmm. and that's what ropes yeah. Rami. But that's the line, those are the lines that's supposed to rope Rami Malek and the audience yeah. into saying, wow, this guy is clearly unstable. He knows a <laughs> lot about Rami Malek's life. Right. He must be the the villain he must be guilty so let's do everything we can to try and nail him which then after the past year we had kind of dovetails into the weird thing of cops pinning mm-hmm. it on a guy even so, though he's innocent okay so i'm glad we're going down this pathway because one thing i found out by reading another review of this film is that apparently this script has been hanging around on somebody's shelf in a studio for decades. So when when I found that out, I was like, oh, that does not surprise me because this feels like, well, 90% of this fil- film feels like something written around the time Seven came out to be that kind of movie. 
Yeah, right? I, I knew that, and yeah. I did not mistakenly <laughs> drop seven in the beginning of this. Right, right. Because that was very done on influenced. purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's very influenced by that era of crime thriller. But what I think happened at some point in this movie's development, and maybe why it was on the shelf for a little longer than it needed to be, I think it is the, maybe the reason why that ending feels like a curveball, where there's actually a couple of curveballs. There's that curveball, and then the curveball of, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but I feel like we've already spoiled the Basically, movie. Basically, they had to keep it in the 90s because they did it modern day. Right. Cell phones would have solved a lot of things. Oh, yeah, no, no. This movie can't does not exist with cell phones, straight up. Uh, but, but what I was going to say is the other curveball that they do is Denzel presents um, some, quote, evidence, unquote, at the very in the epilogue of the film to Rami Malek's character to make Rami Malek believe that he's done the right thing. But then instead of leaving that ambiguous, the film then spells it out even further that Denzel is telling him a lie. Yeah, I thought I was going <laughs> to leave it ambiguous and then yeah. it was like, nope, he's just going to shoulder that burden. Yeah, so what I'm getting at is, is I think that there were some rewrites to the end of this film that were probably last minute in the last couple of years, considering what they wanted to say about cops and what they didn't want to say about cops anymore. If this was a 1999 film, I want to say that this ending would have been different and you would have had some finality. I think because this is a 2021 film, the film has to be ambiguous about what the cops are doing correctly and incorrectly and whether or not it was justified that they went further than they need to be going. And I think like on paper, that's really smart, but from a movie construction standpoint, it causes a lot of problems with the script and it makes the whole thing, like as much as you want to care about Denzel and how much the script wants you to care about Denzel, how much they write that character, literally seeing his victims talk to him, which sounds like on paper, it's like, oh yeah, they want me to sympathize with him. You do not sympathize with him at all. Well, they want you to see that he has demons that still haunt him, and he doesn't right. want that for Rami Malek. So that's why yeah. he provides him closure while still burden, burdening this, this struggle, which, let me put it to you this way. If the roles were reversed, <laughs> you would have a white man savior complex. Yeah, it's a very right different movie, a very, which, again, makes me wonder about that original script, right? Mm-hmm. It really makes me think about whether or not that original script was, had the Denzel character in the way that he is now. Who can say? But also, Rami Malek is kind of wasted here. Like, I feel like you could have slotted any, any actor in his role. There's nothing special about this being Rami Malek here. I mean basic white detective that doesn't do a lick of detecting or <laughs> like anything physical yeah he talks a big game at the beginning of yeah. the film and now he's like oh he's got the the by the book approach and all this stuff and he's like yeah you're right he doesn't really do any of that in fact I, yeah there's no like there's no like existing Rami Malek we're not really so familiar with the Rami Malek style of crime like crime prevention until the film basically tells us, oh, he's not that person anymore and he's transformed. But yeah, how can you change if we didn't even know what he did in the first place? Well, they they tell you that he's the up-and-comer. He's mm-hmm. done the legwork. <laughs> but they also tell you and don't show right. you. 
there's a lot of telling in this film and a lot of plotting pacing. It just takes forever to get where it's going to go. And I get like the, just the, I feel like the, the production design here and the editing and the cinematography, I think a lot of the production here makes this seem like it's a lot more of a prestige film than it actually is. And the rest of the movie can't keep up with the production. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's a, so it's a pretty looking movie. This? Yeah, I think it's a pass. I think it's a, I think if you have a 4K TV and you want to see some real nice looking shots, it has that. I'll say that much. It definitely surprised me in that way where I'm like, well, this is a nice movie to look at. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot going on here. So yeah, you're right. If they're if you're a fan of this kind of uh, crime thriller drama kind of genre, there are better movies that exist in this kind of zone, especially Seven, which is very similar to this plot. Right. If you want '90s like cops, mm-hmm. go watch Heat. Go watch. Seven. Well, Heat's a very different movie, but yes, go watch it's a better movie. Of Spider. <laughs> yeah. Go watch. Uh, Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs> right, yeah. There's there's better versions. Satisfying conclusion. Better versions of this movie. So yeah, it's it's very by the numbers. It's fine, but it's not anything you need to rush and see. Uh, that's why it's a January release. Yep, January. Any other movies before we move on to television? Nothing that I watched. But there's plenty... To be I mean, watched. there's a lot that I'm going to watch. Right, there's plenty to be watched in the future, though, as we move into television, and we start with The Sports Corner, because yes, everybody, it is the big time of the year for sports. It is almost time for the big game. And we have to say the big game, because we do not have the express written consent of the NFL. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> the, the, the very large game, the superb owl, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call it. Um, here's some bits that we've collected for you, uh, our so audience. This entire sports corner is all dedicated to the big yeah. game. Yeah, nothing else in sports really happened or really mattered. Yeah, I mean, oh, other sports continue. Thing. Okay, I mean, continue. Was... Uh, one side note, real quick. Uh, we had yeah. brought up the Angels uh, dugout uh, manager. Right. Yes. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, who sued the Angels for being wrongfully terminated. Yeah. Um. The court is dismissed it, dismissed his case because it's not technically wrongful termination if you're helping the other team. Okay. So he'll be appealing that, I assume, but also <laughs> money and lawyers. Yeah. So this may end up being just like another MLB swapped under the rug right. type scandal. I mean, it's very clear that not, this has not been picked up a very like, this has not picked up steam as much as we thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Which means that, yeah, people are ready just to not just ignore it like it never happened. Yep. Uh, and the president of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games is holding steady in having the 2021 Games with the IOC, even though yeah. privately they've said that they are willing to cancel it. I think ultimately the call is going to come between. Uh, I think it's going to be either j- they just ship the athletes there and there's no crowds and they're very particular about what events happen and when, or they just get canceled. I think those are the only two ways that they happen this year. Or I think you see way. come March, 
um, what the numbers look like for vaccinated people mm -hmm. compared to yeah. current infection rates. And then that would give them a three to four month window to give a final opinion. You might also even see a severely limited amount of countries competing depending on what countries, like those countries' numbers. Right. I would imagine that as mm -hmm. well. All right, let's get to the big game now. But yeah, it's time to talk about football though, because yes, the one football game me and probably a good chunk of people watch every year is coming this Sunday. And here's the news that we know about it right now. The cover athletes from Madden's 17, 18, 19, and 20, the, the before this year's Madden, the last four Maddens will all be playing in this big game this weekend. Uh, yes, that's Antonio <laughs> Brown, Gronk, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's also a three to one slide of teams they're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, it's been weird. It's been weird last five years in football. Speaking of a weird last five years, both Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell have made it to the Super Bowl without <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the Buccaneers, uh, which is one of the teams competing this Sunday, have opted for white jerseys and pewter pants on Sunday. That means the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, will get their familiar red jerseys and white pants. Now, my understanding is that there is some statistical backing on people why people care about this is because there's a certain amount of winners, Super Bowl winners that have the colored jerseys, and there's a certain amount of winners uh, with white jerseys. And if, if I'm remembering correctly, the colored jerseys usually win? Yes, the yeah. colored jerseys usually win out. However, the Buccaneers have been undefeated this year while in white jerseys. So because the Bucs are hosting it, they mm -hmm. got first pick. <laughs> and they chose the white jerseys. So yeah, this is a toss-up, in, in, I guess, for those who are keeping score. Um, next up, the NFL announced that Amanda Gorman, our youth poet laureate uh, that also um, performed during the inauguration, uh, will recite an original poem as part of Super Bowl 55. I keep getting it wrong. Uh, Super Bowl love, LV is what I'm going to call it, uh, pregame ceremonies. So yeah, it'll be good to see her again. Yep, it'll be a new original poem dedicated to the healthcare workers uh, yeah, who will be makes there. Sense. That makes sense. Country singer Eric Church will join forces with 12-time Grammy-nominated singer and songwriter Jasmine Sullivan to perform the Star Spangled Banner, as I mentioned last time. Two-time Grammy winner Her will perform her rendition of America the Beautiful. Miley Cyrus will headline the NFL TikTok tailgate pregame show, which, uh, and perform for the 7,500 healthcare workers who have been vaccinated for the coronavirus ahead of the event. That will be their guests. And The weekend, of course, will perform the halftime show. More about The weekend later in the podcast. There will the be a post-game uh, event hosted mm -hmm. by Alicia Keys and Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, but that's not broadcasted. That's just at the event. And, and in case a lot of other musical performers will show up. Yeah. And in case you're like us and your media weirdos who care about this kind of thing, the post Super Bowl program this year will be the reboot of The Equalizer, starring Queen Latifah. Uh, it's always kind of fun uh, trivia to. 
uh, to look back at the annals of history and see what was the post-Super Bowl program of that given year. Um, some notable Super Bowl premieres have been, I believe, the first episode of Family Guy on Fox was a post-Super Bowl premiere. Um, so yeah, just a who's who of television programs if you look back in the, the, the books. Usually, uh, if you're hosting it, you give whatever big named mm-hmm. show you currently have yeah. the lead in from the Super Bowl. Actually, now that I think about it, I also believe that the uh, pilot for Glee was also a post-Super Bowl thing. I believe last that year it right. was on Fox and it was the second or third season of The Masked Singer was I the lead. You're right. I believe The Masked Singer was the thing last year. So yeah, always a weird trivia thing. Um, I would love to do like a like a, at a pub trivia thing to see like what shows were after what Super Bowls. I mean, you have also have like the traditional Friends Super post Super Bowl. Right. I met your mother post Super yeah. Bowl when they had it. Uh, yeah, a lot of season premieres. I think season yeah, premieres or big, usually or big like guest laden. There's been several Simpsons episodes yeah. over the years with guest stars, stuff like that. So always fun. Always fun trivia for us nerds here. <laughs> yeah, for, for the people who care about that kind of thing. All right, but let's move out of sports uh, into television news. And the news that dropped today. And today we have breaking news about the award season. We got Uh, hot takes. Yeah, we got hot takes. I have not seen these uh, these before, but we've got the Golden Globe nominations for both the television and film sections of those awards. So get excited. 78th annual Golden Globe Award nominations have been announced. The top contenders in the motion picture drama category include The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. In the musical or comedy category, Borat's subsequent movie film, Hamilton, Palm Springs, Music, and The Prom will duke it out. The top TV categories include Emily in Paris, The Flight Attendant, the Great, Schitt's Creek, and Ted Lasso. In the musical or comedy field, while wow, the Crown, Lovecraft Country, The Mandalorian, Ozark, and Ratchet lead the way in the drama category. So notice how our favorite films and TV shows from the past year all made it on this list. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that uh, that they have a chance here. Um uh, I think that Schitt's Creek has probably some momentum going into this. They have the easy way in, yes. Unless there's a Emmys. Unless with a big surprise Ted Lasso pull, I don't see Schitt's Creek losing in that category. Um, As for the movies, ah, this is a toss-up to me because I feel like ah, in the drama category, like the only one with, well, the two with big uh, names behind them that are clear to me are Mank and Chicago 7. Both are Netflix films. And that's both Netflix. Um, so if you want to get controversial and maybe shut the streaming out, but I don't know, maybe after not a, after a year that 2020, maybe that doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's a weird one. Um, and in the musical category, musical comedy category, that's a toughie too, because yeah, as much as we love Palm Springs, I don't know if it has a chance. I think Borat is the audience winner here. I think Hamilton is maybe 
a like a possibility, but it will depend on whether the Golden Globe voters think that it belongs there. Right, and note that as we talked about, Hamilton. This is the only place where Hamilton can win yeah. a Best Picture category, right. as yeah. it's not being submitted to the Academy Awards. So yeah, who knows about that? I so, see yeah, I don't know. These are, it's a weird year. It's a weird year, and until we see what the Oscars do, it's going to continue being very weird. Um, but that's not all we have. Netflix dominated the competition for the entire night with 42 total nominations for its movies and shows, including the aforementioned Mank and Trial of Chicago 7, The Queen's Gambit, and The Crown. Amazon, home to Borat and Small Axe, followed with 10 nods, while Hulu also picked up 10 nominations for Fair Like Normal People and Palm Springs. After being historically shut out of the director category, female filmmakers have the majority in the race. Emerald Fennell, director of Promising Young Woman, Regina King, director of One Night in Miami, and Chloe Zhao, director of Nomadland, all got nods alongside David Fincher, of course, for Mank, and Aaron Sorkin for The Chicago 7. This year's ceremony will see Tina Fey and Amy Poehler return to host the ceremony, uh, just like back in 2015, but they won't be in the same room together. Instead, Fey will be broadcasting live from the Rainbow Room at the top of Rockefeller Center in New York City, while Poehler will be hosting from the Globes' as usual spot inside the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. This decision to have them at opposite coasts comes as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, NBC, and the Globe's producers, Dick Clark Productions, continue to iron out plans for this year's award show and adjust to the realities of mounting such a telecast during the COVID-19 pandemic. Less travel, of course, safer for everybody involved. By having two production bases on both coasts, this should allow for more opportunities to include talent working on the East Coast or in Europe who might not otherwise be able to travel to Los Angeles especially at a time where Los Angeles is still experiencing peak uh, levels of, of COVID-19 um, contractions and deaths. The ceremony will be live on Sunday, February 28th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. So yeah, um, not a whole lot of surprises, I don't think, in this, this list here, uh, except for the fact that I guess this, that again, 2020 kind of pushed the hand, forced the hand in a lot of cases, and we're seeing a streaming domination, not unlike the cable domination we started seeing in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we said, Netflix with a hundred, uh, what was it? hundred, uh, sorry, 42 total 42. nominations. Yeah. Yeah, nobody even touches that, which is, yeah, you don't, it's very telling that you don't see a whole lot of network representation anywhere in the TV categories here. Mm -hmm. Not I mean, a lot. We saw the past two years where the streaming services shelled out money for this talent to get to this date to be recognized for the awards, to be taken serious. And unfortunately, it took a pandemic to get there. Yeah. But they're here. And it doesn't look like they're going away. No, I think that, yeah, all that conversation we had about like real directors being all mad about streaming services, getting preferential treatment or treatment at all. Um, I think that's all going to go away. I think everybody's going to realize that this is the new normal. These are competitors. They're just as viable in both movies and TV. Somebody tell Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, let him know. 
Well, he released an op-ed uh, earlier this week saying that the cinema will never die as it currently <laughs> tried to die. <laughs> uh, speaking of, real briefly, AMC stock went up and down and up and down. <laughs> yeah, I warned you guys last week that that was the next one to go. And sure enough, so yeah. But we don't have a story about that today. But we do have another television story. But we don't only just have one. We have several, which is why it's time for Television Bits. The Bits. The Bits. The, the bits. bits. First up in the Bits, uh, Media Boat favorite Jeopardy has announced new names for their guest host roster as they continue to have guest hosts um, cover the show. Dr. Oz. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? Anderson Cooper. Sure. Savannah yeah. Guthrie. Sure. sure. Dr. San- Sanjay Gupta are all next up in the running so we went yeah. to that cnn well <laughs> sure yeah i guess why not i mean anderson cooper was kind of expected people have been saying pulling his name out from yeah. social media for quite not a surprising. while same with savannah guthrie yeah it's easy it's easy it gets i think the weird one mm-hmm. here is dr oz because i feel like everybody hates him yes so. <laughs> uh, so don't be surprised if we see him not be an official host <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Uh, And what he does, we will have called it here first. Yeah, yeah. Name us first. Next up, a little spoiler for people who are watching the English dub of Pokemon Journeys, like me. Oh, sorry. Should should I not put this here? (laughs) No, it's too late. I already read it. (laughs) Honestly, though, okay. Let me, this is my chance to talk about Pokemon Journeys real quick. Okay. When I first started watching it, I was like, oh, this is kind of a unique take. I like that they're going to different... Uh, different um, regions and that it's not like necessarily that of a that much of a like overarching plot it's kind of going back to this like compartmentalized show with very loose connections yeah well the actual practice of watching it has made me dislike that premise because I am getting so tired of this premise of of this season we're only in the second big drop of Netflix episodes here in the United States um, but I'm already just, I just don't care. I don't care. I'm thinking back to when I really liked the series and I feel like there's only a handful of times that I feel like they've nailed what they're going for. And this is doing the opposite of that. I feel like when Pokemon series is good, it's because you care about the characters. And honestly, I don't care about go one lick. <laughs> Matt, you're old. <laughs> He's a terrible Zoomer who does not follow the rules of catching Pokemon. You Matt, have to old. weaken the Pokemon to throw a Pokeball at it. This is not Pokemon Go. This is not Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. I'm sorry, Go. You're wrong. Anyway, apparently the news that you put down here is that he catches a Suicune. Well, you know what I think about that? He doesn't deserve that Suicune. Apparently the internet thinks he deserves the Suicune. Well, the internet is wrong. <laughs> If the internet likes Go and anything that he stands for, they're incorrect. Saying. Hashtag not my Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Not my Pokemon trainer. So yeah, I don't know how much more time of my time I'm going to give to Pokemon Journeys. Oh no. I might just rewatch X and Y. Hey, the good that ones. Was a good run. <laughs> well, X, Y, and Z, because that includes yeah, the, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. I yeah, I, I miss I miss that era of the show. I'm probably outnumbered. But anyway. Um, yes, kids are growing up faster than you are. <laughs> Something like that. 
Next up, more on the subject of Nintendo video game shows. Nintendo is in the news this week as some scuttlebutt was revealed about why that that Netflix Legend of Zelda show was canceled. I remember hearing about that there was a Netflix Legend of Zelda show planned um, alongside a Star Fox series that College Humor was helping the, uh, the, uh, the company develop. Both were canceled because of, you don't have it here, but I, I read something about this. Oh, it was the leak. And the it was about the fact that they got leaked. leaked. And Nintendo was like, wow, our stuff can be leaked so easily? Well, screw this. And they just canceled all of those projects. Yeah, they pulled all projects from everywhere. As right. soon as that one leak came out that it was in, the, in development, they're like, oh, I guess we can't trust you with our secrets. Yeah. Yoink. Yeah. My take on this is that this is probably for the better because I don't know if we need a Legend of Zelda series to kind of muddle the waters about what the Legend of Zelda series already is. I think if you had a Witcher-style Netflix show, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say that's probably where that money came from for the Witcher. I would imagine. They were like, well, let's get something similar in this vein, but maybe, hey, maybe a franchise that isn't as afraid to go to an adult place. And hey, The Witcher is there. Right. So think The Witcher if Legend of Zelda. And that's kind of what you would get. But it would have been a, it would, because it's Nintendo though, they would would have watered it down to a family friendly kind Mm -hmm. of place. And I don't know what that is at that point. Like, what is the You can't have Link actually slash people. Oh, no. I'm God, sorry. No. I mean, you can't have Zelda actually hurt people. <laughs> she she could. She's hurt people in the past. She's mean with that uh that the, the those light arrows. Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. Anyway, no more. Let's move on. Next up, HBO Max released some numbers. They've reached 37.7 million total subscribers and 17 million active subscribers so that's a big jump from last time we reported some numbers they were worried uh, uh, yeah they were of... around 20 million in october yeah when that were, investor meeting came out they were worried about sustainability when they reported this last year and it looks like uh their worries are more or less not the case anymore it looks like they're improving well they got that wonder woman bump from christmas and i'm sure as i mentioned if you didn't get it last yeah. year you got, or if you got Disney Plus last year, the movie now, bump. You got, you yeah. got HBO Max this year. The movie bump is key. I think that we're going to see that's going to help them throughout 2021 for sure. No, I want to see the numbers after people watch uh, <laughs> the little things. After and Wonder Woman and the little keep, things. Yeah, if they want, like, I don't know it. if I want this anymore, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I can't wait for Tom and Jerry, right? Oh, that's right. That's their February release. Oh, Ooh. boy. Get ready. Oh, boy. That looks like, that also looks like a, a I don't know. Uh, we'll see, I guess. It's Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, sure. Uh, that thing looks like it was like, it came out of an alternate 1997. Like when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, how did this movie not already get made in this exact way? Like, like following Space Jam. Yeah, how is this not a reaction to Looney Space Tunes, Jam? Or Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, it, I don't know. It weird. Anyways, let's keep going. Um, next up, Disney. They made a five-year overall executive television deal with Ryan Coogler's Proximity Media, and they will be developing a new television series based on The Kingdom of Wakanda for D23. 
Disney Plus. So more stuff in the Black Panther universe coming from Ryan Coogler's team. This is in addition to the already announced Black Panther 2 sequel, mm-hmm. whatever title naming that will be. Yeah. And with this overall five-year deal, they can create any type of production for any type of, I believe it's any Disney arm that, that they want. So don't be surprised if something comes to Disney XD. Yeah. Because that's where they put all their experimental stuff. <laughs> yeah, bury it where nobody can see it. <laughs> Speaking of experimental stuff. And burying it where you can't see it. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yes, uh, we had previously reported on this podcast that video game television network G4 will be making its return this year. And now they've confirmed that their two flagship shows from back in the day, X-Play and Attack of the Show, will both be returning to the network and will be returning in summer of this year. Um, no word on the cast for this, whether they will be returning with the same hosts. I'm kind of crossing my fingers that it's a different crew. I believe the um, only returning one is Adam Sletzer. Oh, uh, really? See, that's what I'm kind of hoping is that they didn't bring Sessler back, but okay, sure. I think he's so, the only one confirmed because he did the the ad saying G4 was coming back if you want to be a part of X-Play. Right. Well, he's been involved in the marketing. Yeah, he's been involved in the marketing. He was involved in, I think, some of the talent search that they did. Yes. Um, but there, I don't believe he's been confirmed to be a host of the new program. In fact, if anything, I believe that he said that he would like to not be. Um, Just but, produce it? Yeah, I think he will have some sort of creative role. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just want to get have them do what they said they were going to do and get new blood infused into it as opposed to bringing back the old fogies. Hey, we're new blood. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I don't have the dedication to do that. Also, I, I am hey, not commuting to Los to Angeles. Every week. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not commuting to Los Angeles and wearing makeup in the whole nine yards. Hey, this is the acceptable thing I want to do. It's a teleconference now. <laughs> we'll just see. slap some g4 logo on this stream and yeah you're good put it on there um yeah so yeah i used to be this is i'm conflicted by this whole g4 thing i'll just say real quick because i was a big fan of x play back in the day i used to watch it all the time back when it had new episodes and i really enjoyed it at the time but, but now we have the internet and you but yeah i feel like there's no role for it especially with the way that the video video game industry pivoted now everything is x play that's the thing mm-hmm. that happened since x play like since g4 went off the air the entire industry pivoted to video like you know bring that old chestnut back like but it's true like with streamers and pioneering websites like giant bomb there's no place really for something like a, te- like a television network for video games that there used to be. That only existed and was as successful as it was because it was filling a niche that didn't exist. Now everything is that. Right. I mean, you could probably get away with doing exclusive interviews, but you only have so many interviews to go through with a team before and, something gets released or leading up to a release. And you know that they're if they're going to do it, they're not going to do it in the way that some of the interview-based, um, like, kickstarted kind of companies that we see now uh, can do it. Like, you're not going to have Danny o- like the level of Danny O'Dwyer's no clip, you know, getting into the studios and actually, like, sitting down with them, like, for years. You know, you're not going to see that dedication for something like G4. So that is not even like, I think an angle that they can really do. I think the angle that they have to go for is 
is to kind of remind you of the tone of those old old things as opposed to actually develop, delivering fresh content. I think it's 100% reliant on who they get. So we'll, well Like I said, get us and you have fresh content every week. <laughs> sure. And, but, uh, and the other thing I will say here is I think that the entire concept of Attack of the Show also does not exist in 2021. That's, that's YouTube. Like yep. it doesn't, it, you can't do that anymore. Like you can't just have a show where it's like, I don't know, we have people talk about whatever's happening right now. No, it's like that is covered by literally everybody, including us. Hey, if the Muppets can get rebooted, G4 can get rebooted. I don't know. Anyway. Hey, did, hey, did Muppets now work? I think we have our answer. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's keep it that let's, let's keep it that ambiguous. I like that. Um, and our last story in the bits here. ABC, speaking of reboots, ABC is moving forward with that Wonder Years re- reboot we mentioned last week. So there you go. Uh, was that last week or was that like last year? I don't know. Time doesn't exist. We talked about it before. That's all I know. Yeah, uh, where it's still the same 50s, but instead covering a black family in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. going through the 50s and 60s, just the exact same time period, just a different family, which right. could be good. A lot of we'll stuff see. to cover in that those time periods. Turns out. Okay. Television. We watched some of it. Let's talk about those shows that we watched. Okay, let's let's talk. Where do you uh, want to start? I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing that you have a season finale to talk about. Uh, no, mid-season finale. Mid-season finale, my bad. Let's talk about that first. All right. So um, I decided to pick up Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and kind of binge the past five episodes I think they're into now. So okay. I'm all caught up with this current season. It picks up six months, six weeks. Some time has passed. It's so, been not not one week. <laughs> uh, they make that clear. Uh, Sometimes since the season finale of la- of the first season, okay. where her father had passed away, and so she was in a grieving period and not wanting to leave her house and just basically kind of shelled up and took all the time she needed to go back to her cushy paying job. Uh, Still kind of in the love triangle, even though that's kind of subsided. But the reason I'm bringing it up now for season two is because they are doing what a lot of shows are currently doing in talking about present topics Mm -hmm. stuff that is present in the workforce including female programmers including lack of diversity and it's in an interesting way because zoe has these powers where as the premise goes people will break out into song (laughs) randomly to say to sing their thoughts it presents this really interesting door of stuff you don't talk about, but because presented in song style and in songs that you know, it's easier to convey that underlying drama Mm -hmm. that normally would be either swept under the rug or kind of like hinted at, pushed aside. They bring it forefront and they bring it in a big musical number brought to you by Mandy Moore. Not that Mandy Moore. Yeah, not that Mandy Moore. But our favorite Mandy Moore. 
<laughs> so it's still doing the thing. So, okay. Um, you tried to get back into this. I, I, I no, I haven't. And the reason why I haven't is because friend of the show, Christy, has also been watching this as it's been continuing. And she's kind of more or less told me this, but I want to get your take on this. One of my problems with the, the first couple episodes of the show was that it uh, was the tonal whiplash mm-hmm. where I feel like it wants so badly to be this fun show with all these musical numbers, but it also has these characters with very, very dark themes and things that are happening in their lives. So there's a lot of drama happening in the background, um, especially with the family, especially, and mm-hmm. what you're saying seems to, seems to continue that. So Christy was also telling me, he's like, oh yeah, no, it just continues doing that. It tries to get, it tries to balance in a way the, the, the drama stuff with the lightness of the presentation. And she was telling me she doesn't think it nails that balance most of the time. She was saying that if my problem initially was that you do get the whiplash from it going back and forth, she said it just gets worse. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, the whiplash has kind of toned down for season two. Okay. But it is still very much present in the whiplash <laughs> form because as the show is, you flat out break into song. Right. So that is a tonal whiplash of I have this heavy confrontation with my job of doing what's right for me and what's right for the company. How do you tiptoe that line? What's right mm-hmm. for my life? and what's right for what I want right now. And then you break out into song. And then people have, you know, want to keep emotions bottled up, but because she has this power, it's brought out abruptly into song. Yeah. So I guess what I'll ask is, do you think it's good for what it is? Like it's good, but it's like with an asterisk because of the weird thing it is? Or do you think it's legitimately like, being slept on that more people should care about this as i said in my season wrap-up that <laughs> it's a good premise but the payoff ultimately i don't know if i want to take that whole journey for that like ending payoff for it yeah kind of the same thing they do introduce a lot of new characters and i think that they are filling out quite a diverse cast for season two mm-hmm. um which is good to see on TV. Don't get me wrong. That's sure. good to see. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is that tonal whiplash of going straight into musical number after trying to hide what I'm really feeling and thinking. When mm-hmm. as an audience, you kind of already get that because they're like going, mm-hmm, okay, whatever you say, boss. When <laughs> you know that they're, that's not what they think. And then immediately go into a song and dance to spell it out for you okay. in case you missed it <sighs> yeah you still have that tonal whiplash okay yeah i'm not sure if i'm if i want to go back to that thing or not then because i don't know like i feel like i want it to pick a lane i guess is what i'm saying i want it to either be a drama or be a comedy nope <laughs> because you have the full spectrum of the musical history sure but from i'm oh, sorry the entire spectrum of the universal music catalog to pick from. Yeah, I guess. But what I'm saying is like, I feel like shows that are, I lost my focus here, uh, shows that I think that just other shows have been able to do the balance better than this one has. At least in my experience. 
Mm, I mean, you could be right. <laughs> you probably are right most of the time. You are right. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I, I mean, think you need so... to go a little bit further because you're kind of focused. I know. I don't know what's wrong with my focus. <laughs> you, you lead forward. <laughs> I know. Autofocus camera that has its has its downsides. Um, All right. Well, I told you about my downside. Tell me about the show that you watched. And is this or is this not a cartoon? It is a cartoon. How do you know? Because the name is Kid Cosmic. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I just want to talk about this really briefly. I, uh, the whole season is up on Netflix, uh, but I only watched the pilot. Um, kind of ran out of time. Uh, but I think watching the pilot, though, does what you need to do to get kind of a taste of what this thing is. So I'm going to toss a name out for you, and I'm going to ask if this sounds familiar to you. Craig McCracken. Mm-hmm. No. Really? I'm surprised. Uh, he is a famous animator who was uh, mostly fa- is mostly famous for being the creator of the Powerpuff Girls. So a uh, Cartoon Network lifer worked on a lot of shows back in the day for them. I believe started under uh, Jendi Tartofsky on uh, Dexter's Laboratory and had law- has a lot of influence over the last couple of decades of kids TV. Yes, uh, including Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yes. So it kind of has a very specific style. Yes. His animation is familiar. The name was not familiar. Well, anyways, uh, Kid Cosmic is his new gig, and this is over at Netflix. Um, And it is a pretty cool little show. Um, It's kind of buried right now in the Netflix machine. I had to search to find it. For whatever reason, they are not doing a very good job promoting it, even though it's brand new uh, and premiered yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a kids it's a kids cartoon, um, but it's very stylized. It has a very unique look to it. It's digital, but the backgrounds are surprisingly like detailed and really really well done. That Netflix money is clearly showing this thing. And the premise is is it's a a kid basically stumbles upon these magical rocks that are from space and in and and do their wearers with uh special powers so there's one that uh makes you um i know it sounds familiar right it's very very clearly like riffing off of the infinity stones from the marvel comics and other existing kind of sci-fi fantasy tropes for sure and with their powers combined they bring you <laughs> captain planet and so, yeah, but the, 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 the hook, though, is, is that this kid is kind of lives in the middle of nowhere desert town, and there's not a whole lot of people around. He's kind of known as this mischief-making kind of kid. His parents are not around. He lives with his, uh, looks, looks like a grandpa or an uncle kind of character. A grunkle. If you will. And, um, and yeah, and so the, the pilot basically has him discovering these rocks, discovering how they work, and... Um, Kind of starting on this adventure, this to create a superhero team with other people in town. So she, so he uh, joins forces with this uh, this teenage waitress who works at the local cafe with her mother, uh, and they, and she also gets to wear one of these rings and starts having superpower. She has these teleportation rings that she can do, but it's a lot of fun. It's really cute. The character designs are really cool looking. It's not all the way in the, the Powerpuff Girls style, but you definitely see a little bit of that Craig McCracken look to it. Um, it's 
on the edge of like of being not super super saccharine for kids it does a little like it does kind of cross the lines a little bit like it's surprisingly violent in places uh there's a lot of talk about the aliens that come down to kind of harass them um about them killing and a lot of talk about death which surprised me for a tv y7 rated show um but yeah it's a very energetic cool little pilot for this show and i'm very excited to see where it goes from here it's a cool like comic booky kind of tone that they're setting and um, i'm excited to watch more how many rings in total five I believe there's five so the goal at least the premise from this pilot that the kid wants to get to the titular kid cosmic uh is a team of five superheroes more or less uh, so we'll see whether they are able to successfully uh, do that or not. We don't have that many characters in the show quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure, yeah, as the as the season goes on, we'll probably meet more people and kind of flesh that out. Right. And of course, the most famous one will be the mysterious and probably evil sixth character. <laughs> For all we know. If I had to right. guess. Yeah. Who, who knows? You could be, could be onto something. Uh, but yeah, it's neat. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, so check that out. Um, and lastly, real quick, I just was speaking of comic books. I want to mention something that is not new, um, but I have been watching, uh, doing some catching up on because I was recommended it by some people. I finally dug into that uh, formerly DC Universe, now currently HBO Max, uh, Harley Quinn cartoon. Okay, uh, the Harley Quinn. Yeah, I had heard some good things. I, it was on my radar, but I hadn't actually like tried it out. It is the opposite of Kid Cosmic. It is very much not for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is actually really, really good. Really? Yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked how much I'm enjoying this thing. Uh, the pilot's kind of misleading. Uh, stick with it, though, because it's not the thing that you think it is when you first started watching it, but it is really well written. The jokes are really good. Um, I don't know a whole lot about DC Comics, so a lot of it probably bounced right off of me and made me better enjoyed by somebody who would get all the weird little reference and references and Easter eggs going on in there. So I suggest that you watch this because you're going to be able to look through it in different lens than I can. But even me, like I really enjoyed what they did here. I binged all the way through season one in a week. I have wow. season two to get through. That's how much I was watching this thing. Cause I really, I'm really enjoying it. Okay. And uh, season three premieres later this year on HBO Max, so so it's prepping so me to get ready for me that. to watch it. I think you should check it out. Uh, like I said, the pilot at first is, I think, intentionally kind of a, a, of abrasive because they're very clearly trying to state, okay, these are all the things we can get away with. But once they kind of get past the extreme, like this is what we can get away with part. You actually get to know the characters and it does a really good job. I've never appreciated Harley Quinn as a character before, but they do a good enough job here to make her fleshed out and feel like a person. Um, and her relationship with um, with Poison Ivy is a really interesting dynamic. And they do a lot of cool things with the DC universe that I haven't seen before with like Batman. And it's, it, but it's all tongue in cheek and it's all played for laughs. So it's, but but, but uh, there are moments of surprising emotionality with it. But yeah, I'm having a really good time uh, with that thing, and I'm excited to get through season two next. Okay. And just real briefly, um, mm-hmm. because it's the first of the month, and as I mentioned, check your streaming. <laughs> check Batman, your streaming. The Brave and the Bold, the animated yeah. series on HBO Max. 
Yeah, it, it seems like all of those Batman cartoons, for the most part, are somehow one way or another showing up on HBO Max, so you can more or less get all of that Batman content. Yep. All right, anything else we want to talk about that we've been watching on television before we move on? Nope, but I'll talk more about the big game and thoughts about that next week. Yes, we'll get there. Big TV week coming up. Mm-hmm. But before that, let's talk about cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Well, up top, Hulu has said the third season of Shrill will be its final season. Disney XD will also have its final season of the Big Hero 6 animated series after its third. CW has canceled Trickster after two seasons. Well, it's a BBC show or CBC show and Canadian broadcast and they're canceling it. So yeah, so I guess by proxy. Yes. Netflix is, and Netflix has said that On My Block's fourth season will be its final season as well. Uh, CW announced their annual um, slate of renewals, and most of them, most of their shows are coming back, including All American, Batwoman, Charmed, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Dynasty, The Flash, In the Dark, Legacies, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, Roswell, New Mexico, and the most recent of the CW lineup, Walker, that reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. There's a reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger? That's what that thing is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, believe it or not. No Chuck Norris this time. Well, then it's off my radar. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for cancellations, renewals. We do have some unfortunately sad deaths to talk about this week. Just rough week after rough week lately for deaths. First up, Cicely Tyson, age 96, actress, sounder, The Trip to Bountiful, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Acclaimed stage actress, television actress, film mm-hmm. actress. You know uh, Tony Winter back her. in 2013. Huh? You, you know her when you see her. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in fact, weirdly enough, a uh, friend of the show, Christy, was blogging for a librarian conference just oh, the weekend before this happened. And she was a speaker. Oh. I literally, she literally watched her speak for this conference via teleconference before she, days before she died. Oh. It was surreal when I, when she found out because she was like, I literally just saw her. So yeah, just weird. Uh, but yeah, fair and sad. Next up, Mark Wilmore, age 57, comedian and screenwriter, worked on shows such as In Living Color, The Simpsons, and F is for Family. I'm actually familiar with some of the Simpsons' work, so this one was pretty sad. Um, next up, Alan uh, Burns. He was Emmy winner. Oh, Emmy winner in 2008. Yeah, my bad. Uh, Alan Burns, age 85, TV producer and screenwriter. The Munsters, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Rhonda. Emmy winner back in 68, 71, and 77. Then lastly, uh, the one on the Millennials radar, I think, this week, was Dustin Diamond, Screech from Saved by the Bell, age 44. Kind of had a rough last decade, I want to say, about as it comes to his image and things that he chose to do. But ultimately, still sad because of how young of an age 44 is. And mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a television icon for a specific generation of people who grew up with his character. I believe he was coronavirus. Uh, I don't know if it 
possibly. I think so. I think that's what I saw. Mm, well, regardless, it's time to flip this script over and talk about music. And I hand this on the flip side over to you. Uh, and I catch it on and the flip side. Catch it on the flip side. Anytime. Uh, no, sorry. Small cell. <laughs> uh, he died from small cell oh, right. carcinoma. Yes, it, was, it was, yes, it was cancer. Yes, cancer. All right. Let's stop talking about cancer and start talking about music. Well, uh, we always start music with the Billboard, and we always start Billboard with the Hot 100. Hot. Uh, is it hot if it's the same thing over and over again? It's slightly different this week. Is it? Is it really? Oh, I have to driver's, make one quick change, though. Because that driver's license uh, is important. By Olivia Rodrigo mm-hmm. is once again your number one song. Driving by the house of my <laughs> ex-boyfriend at 15. <laughs> Something like that. I think she's older than 15. Reason. To be but fair. She, this is her first driver's license, so she's 15 or hey, 16. Hey, as someone who got their driver's license at 22, I will challenge that assertion. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, no, you're right. I know someone who never got their driver's license. Yes, there you go. <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways. Uh, number two, Mood by Twenty-Four Golden, featuring <laughs> Ian Dior. At number three, Blinding Lights, which will be performed uh, this Sunday by The Weeknd. Yeah, get, get ready. In Tampa Bay, it's the big game halftime show. Uh, presented by Pepsi. <laughs> Thank you. They're not this paying is, us, but no. Should. But this is how they get their advertising since they're not advertising an actual commercial. It's true. I uh, saw I that the Planters Peanuts is also doing that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, at number four, three four plus three five by Ariana Grande. Important note about this one: you'll remember last week the credited uh, version of this was the remix. This week, for whatever reason. It is just the original Ariana Grande. She is the only one credited. They, uh, yeah, Billboard specifically said that they like, acknowledged the change. So this will not affect last week's chart. Megan Thee Stallion and um, Doja Cat will still get credit for having that single be on in, their top, in the top mm-hmm. five last week. But starting this week, they are not crediting the remix. They are only crediting Ariana's version. I don't know why. Because it's better. I do wonder maybe it's because maybe radio started playing the Ariana version in after the big surge for the remix. Maybe Not that was the one that was requested. Was maybe. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know why they make these arbitrary decisions sometimes, but nonetheless, wanted to point that out. Big Machine moving. Not Big Machine Records. That's Not big machine. Although, Scooter Braun is Ariana's manager. <laughs> so, you're not wrong. All right. I wanted to be wrong. <laughs> and lastly, in your Hot 100, your number five song is Levitating by Dua Lipa yeah. featuring Da Baby. Good to see Dua Lipa back uh, with another track from Future Nostalgia in the top yep. five. And uh, I think, yeah, I think Levitating is a good choice for the next single. I'm surprised it took this long for that to become a, a single. Yeah. Because I really liked that album. Yeah. So much so. You should go back and listen to <laughs> yes. our 
2020 music wrap up to find how much I liked that album. Yeah, it's a good song on a good record, turns out. All right. Uh, as for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, Dangerous colon the double album by Morgan mm-hmm. Wallen. Will be the last time this yes. album ever tracks. We will talk about that in the music bits. We'll get there. Uh, at number two, it's Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon by <laughs> Pop Smoke. At three, Evermore by Taylor Swift. At four, Playing This Sunday After Hours by <laughs> The Weeknd. Ladies and, and gentlemen, The Weeknd. <laughs> I told you about how I saw the weekend before he became the weekend yeah. in Vegas. And real, real quick, while we're on the subject, have you have you seen this? There's a Twitter account called "Ladies and Gentlemen, the Weekend," and all it does is it plays a clip from the Saturday Night Live episode where Daniel Craig was hosting and the weekend was the musical guest, mm-hmm. and it's Daniel Craig introducing the weekend. But the way he says it is so non-committal. He even kind of does like a shrug thing. So there's a twit. So it's like him going, like standing there. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And then he just does this kind of movement with his shoulders. Then he walks away. Well, there's a, a Twitter account that's called that. And they post it every, every Friday. Every afternoon. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> it's really good. I've, I've started following it to get that every Friday now. It's the weekend. The weekend. <laughs> presented by Pepsi. Yeah, it's presented by Pepsi. And at number five, your final uh, album in the top five, The Voice by Lil Durk. Lil Durk. Lil Durk. One of our favorite to say. Lil Durk. All right. Uh, if you didn't like any of those albums, I'm sorry, but The Weeknd will be performing this Sunday. <laughs> and for a live studio audience. We're going to have to deal with the weekend for a little longer here. Yep. Uh, but we do have new releases, including Medicine at Midnight by Foo Fighters. Yes, that Foo Fighters. Yeah. Dave Grohl's got a new album out. Yeah. Uh, we also have Lost Things 3, colon, Alive After Death by John Carpenter. Yes. Yes. That John, that John Carpenter. Carpenter. <laughs> uh, he's still alive. Yeah. Even after death. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> uh, we also he's have Tyron by Slow Tie. Good Woman by The Staves. Ignorance by The Weather Station. And <laughs> just because he could. <laughs> And just because we know he's going to be performing at the halftime show presented by Pepsi, <laughs> The Weekend has an album dropping this weekend <laughs> titled The Highlights. To be fair, judging just clearly, not knowing what this is, but judging by the name, this sounds like a greatest hits record, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Or it's like an EP or something. This is not a proper The Weeknd album, just to be clear. I don't know what this is, but yeah. I think it's my kind of album, though, because it's just the hits. Just the hits, exactly. And that maybe. I, I don't know if that's what this is, but... Okay, so it's the hits plus bonus unreleased content. Maybe. But anyways, it's the hits titled of the album, though, is 
the highlights by the weekend yeah. or the Super Bowl. Ladies I mean, and gentlemen. The big game. Ladies and gentlemen, the highlights. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, because we spent so much time talking about the weekend doing the big game, <laughs> that's basically the music story. So right. let's get into some music bits, shall we? Yeah, so much has happened in music this past week. I had to round it all up. The bits, the bits, mm-hmm. the bits. Talk about some bits. All right. Well, the rescheduled Grammys will be held outdoors with no audience and with mostly pre-recorded performances. Yeah. We talked about how they moved out of the way uh, into March 14th where the SAG Awards were. Mm-hmm. The SAG Awards had to move. And now the Grammys are no audience and pre-recorded performances. So why even have it if it's just all going to be pre-recorded? <laughs> That makes no sense. I don't know, but yeah. What are they doing yeah, over there? This is just because some details came out today or this week about about more about what the the performance or like what the telecast would look like. So now at least we know what we're getting into. So, so look forward to pre-recorded performances. Yeah, that always happen at the Grammys. <laughs> uh, CAA and Loma Vista have both decided to drop Marilyn Manson after accused of after he was accused of mm-hmm. sexual assault by Evan Rachel Wood who yes. named him previously she said an uh, unnamed accuser in her testimony to congress but now she's just straight up naming him yeah this uh, this was kind of the big music story over the last couple of days like you said, we kind of already knew that this was the case, but naming him by name kind of unleashed this like this big storm against against him. And yeah, it's good to see a, uh, a good to see kind of an immediate reaction like this. Although it probably too late. Like in a lot of ways, like this probably would have made more of a difference if it was done before. Um, but yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm typically uh, believing, I typically believe um, people who come out about abuse. And yeah, if, uh, if uh, Evan Rachel Wood is, I'm assuming that she's telling the truth here. So yeah, Marilyn Manson does not look good uh, right now and is, yeah, is going to have to deal with the repercussions. No, especially since she goes into detail about how he was grooming her when she was 15. Yeah. It's real rough stuff. Right. Uh, But this also did perpetuate the rumor of Marilyn Manson that we all learned in middle school and probably high school about (laughs) how Marilyn Manson removed several of his rings so he could indeed (laughs) earn the explicit tag here of sucking his own dick. Yeah, no, it's... It's in. I mean, you don't have time to get into it really here, but Marilyn Manson is an interesting character because I feel like the entire... The entire concept of Marilyn Manson was sold to an entire generation as being a total creep. Like that was the character he was playing. Mm -hmm. And so to have time pass and now of us finding out, oh no, actually some of this was not an act. Some of this, he was an actual big creep. What is both shouldn't be surprising and yet also is kind of because there's this distance we're expected to, to treat celebrities 
like this where oh this is the character they're playing which is different from the real person but it is probably more close to the truth that the characters that these people play are probably have a lot in common with the person playing them truth is stranger than fiction yeah which does make me wonder if he actually did remove his ribs who can say start counting them they <laughs> start counting <laughs> there one two oh oh should be there should be one right there it's gone all right other music bits <laughs> anyways <laughs> anyways tj osborne yeah of the of the brothers osborne mm-hmm. has come out as gay yeah 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 good for good, him good for him um also uh yeah not super common in the world of country music so probably a bigger deal than a lot of people are uh chalking this one up to mm-hmm. yeah. um but what is a big deal in the country music world? Oh boy. Is that well, we can finally, probably once again, say goodbye to Morgan <laughs> Mullen. Oh as boy. he has been pulled from radio and indefinitely suspended mm-hmm. from his label after video of him saying a racial slur. Yeah, I haven't seen this. I don't know what he said, but honestly, I don't it's care. The N-word the I'm not surprised. Off. Uh, but yeah, it seems like as soon as this got out in a similar kind of way, a lot of a lot of people professionally involved with them distanced themselves immediately. And yeah, it's kind of a bad timing considering he has the number one record for the third week in a row. Uh, yeah, he's getting the Kyle Larson treatment, but hopefully yeah. he doesn't get the Kyle Larson redemption. <laughs> we'll um, see. We already gave him the once over pass second chance with him partying in an Arkansas bar maskless the week he was going to perform on SNL. Right, right. So that kind of put him already on a bad radar for most people. It's a bad look, no matter how you look at it. And then this happened. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you recover from this kind of thing, but yeah, it's it's rough. Would you like me to lay out how you recover from this? No, because I'd rather that he doesn't. I would rather that he does it too. (laughs) Have you never heard of any of his songs? But anyway. All right. Anyways, Um, Spotify's podcasts have doubled in listeners uh, in the fourth quarter of 2020. Yeah, they just released some of their 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 numbers from the fourth quarter. This is only relevant because last time we talked about this podcasts were underwhelming for Spotify and they were actually disappointed by the numbers that were coming in for their podcasts. So there's a lot of question about whether or not this was going to be something that they continued to focus on. But Right. This was especially after they made big deals with Markle and Harry and uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, they had made a lot of big pushes to their podcast content. But I guess ultimately it paid off because finally they saw some growth. Um, you remember rapper Silento? Not by name. Um, <laughs> do you remember the song? Watch me whip. Now watch me name name. And I remember, yes. Well, he's been charged with murdering his cousin. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a lot. Just abrupt. <laughs> that is something I do not want him to uh, want to watch him do. That is for sure. Um, so, yeah, this is this came out of nowhere and was very weird. I mean, I'm sure his cousin said the same thing. Oh boy. Ugh. Don't like that one. 
I mean, we no longer like Salento now, even though yeah, I guess he was. I a mean, I don't know wonder. if I ever liked him, but okay. One hit wonder. Guess so. All right. Uh, we also have Republic Records claims the top four albums on the Billboard 200. I top four like albums in the Billboard news. Yeah, my bad. Um, I included this anyways because I was I figured I was going to forget to mention it while we talked about Billboard, but yes, yeah, um, you did. The top four records in the top five this week are all Republic records. Uh, that means The Weeknd is not one of those one uh, albums. But the rest, yeah. Republic's having a hot streak right now. They figured out some sort of um, sort of way to get a stable of really great artists, at least, well, musically. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so I'm sorry. No, The Weeknd is a part of that. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong list. The weekend That's is Lil part Dirk. of that at number four. You're right. Yes, Lil Dirk is Lil Dirk is not. It's not it. But yeah, I'm sure they're they're sitting on a gold mine with Taylor Swift by itself. So yeah, Republic has made some some strides this year. I mean, yeah, we got Taylor Swift, and then you have Super Bowl halftime performer The Weekend. Um, speaking of, he has since he's been doing media tours, <laughs> revealed that yes. the bandages he's been wearing <laughs> this album cycle are about. The absurd culture of Hollywood celebrity and people manipulating themselves for superficial reasons to please and be validated. For more information on this, <laughs> please watch the HBO Max film Fake Famous. Yeah, so I included this because not only because it's hilarious to me, but it, well, one, it was also hilarious the way that Variety presented it because this was a really brief interview that they did with them that they said wasn't exclusive. <laughs> I just like the idea of uh, somebody at Variety wanted so badly to know why he was doing this that they got an exclusive with him. <laughs> and then just asked the one question, got yeah. it. Hey, what's up with the bandages, dude? I really um, got to know the answer. Well, and also I included it because I've been asked by multiple people at this point, hey, why is he wearing those bandages? And, I'm, and my answer so far has only been, I don't know, he's been doing it this whole album cycle. I don't know. Right. The answer I've given was it's a part of his music video. Act. Yeah, I think it was in the music video for Blinding Lights has him in this kind of thing. But yeah, to be more specific, this is the, so that quote is him specifically going into why it is. But yeah. Ooh, what are the odds he crashes the car during the halftime show? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the, I guess my question is then, does he come, like, if this is supposed to escalate, because that's one of the things he says in this interview, is that it's gotten worse as it gone, has it gone on. So wait, does he just roll out into the halftime show in a literal bed, like a hospital bed, like all strung up? Like, how does he escalate this? Uh, I say he d- pulls a Michael Jackson performance out of thin air. It just he just comes out just not just like without the bandages, nothing that's all behind him. Yep. <laughs> be really funny if he did that. <laughs> or does the he does the rock in uh, Fast Six, and he just just like breaks the cast off of himself. Dave's got to go to work. Uh. <laughs> go to work. <laughs> hey, guess what? It's the weekend now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish. Just rips bandages off. Yeah, just the whole thing just goes out. Um, that'd be great, but I don't think that's going to happen. Hey, there's a parlay for it somewhere. Yeah, that does happen. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere, some guy in Vegas will give no. you the odds for that. I'll say it right now. If it does happen, everybody owes the Media Boat Podcast $100. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, and if that does happen, we will open uh, next week's podcast with a bunch of like money raining rain yeah. down somewhere. Yeah. I was getting air horn. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap up the bits. We only have a couple more. All right. Um, in more serious news, Tony Bennett. Yes, that Tony Bennett yeah. who's been touring with Lady Gaga has revealed that he has Alzheimer's. Yeah. But is still planning new standard records with Lady Gaga. Yeah, he's done uh, two in the past with Lady Gaga, a, stan- a standards record with a, with her. This will be the third in that series. But yeah, also, yeah, it's very sad news uh, that he has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, and yeah, it kind of brings into question how often maybe we'll see Tony Bennett in a performance uh, situation and going forward in the future, but uh, we'll see. Also with Alzheimer's, if he hasn't won any Lifetime Achievement Award by now, expect him to win it in the coming year. I could see, I could see some sort of Grammy recognition Grammy at the at the telecast this year. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yep. All right, and lastly for our um, own unamusement <laughs> and to no one's surprise, yeah, Coachella 2021 has officially been canceled. Right. And so has Stagecoach for April. No word yet if they're going to do what they were planned to do last year, which is push it to October. Also, no word if Golden Voice will even be a company by the time (laughs) any of this comes back. Honestly, I hope not because screw Golden Voice, but... But yes, this is not surprising, like you said, up top. It's it's not surprising at all that they're, again, pushing this back. Like you said, I don't know if they're going to be like, oh, it, we're secretly rescheduling for October. I don't know if that's the play this time. I think that they're really just holding back and waiting to see what happens. Right. I think like we said with the Olympics, they need to see how vaccinations go, how cases go before yeah. anything gets put in place. Anything. Yeah. Any wheels get put in motion because I'm sure once cartridge are given the green light, people will sign up regardless if they've been vaccinated or not because right. people are idiots. Yeah, there's going to be a mad dash. Case in point. <laughs> Good to know. Um, yeah, um, yeah. No, people will definitely jump I mean, on I it. I was pointing to anti-vaxxers case. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either no. the no-no. Yeah, they're in the air. They're in the air above you somewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, needless to say, yeah, it's, it, it, people are going to jump on it as soon as they can. Um, but for now, cancel. Yep. All right. Did you listen to anything? I did, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately? Well, okay. I wasn't going to listen to this thing, but I had some spare time today. So I decided, well, we should listen to one new release that came out last week. And the big new release last year, or last year, I keep doing that. Last week uh, was the new Weezer record, um, which they've called hilariously OK Human. Get it? Because OK Computer, Radiohead, get it? It's a joke. Uh, hmm. Also a joke, this record. So <laughs> uh, I didn't know this going into it, but apparently the background for this record is that Rivers Cuomo got the idea that they should make a record with a 36-piece orchestra. Like on purpose? Yeah, yeah. That he thought it was like, oh yeah, no, like it happens to every artist. Like they want to experiment with like a, a, um, a record that's not just the usual thing they did. The only thing is, is that what I don't think he realized is that if you take 
the Weezer songwriting style and structure of Weezer song and put it instead of guitars in front of a 36 piece orchestra, it does not change at all from being a Weezer song. <laughs> these still, all these songs still sound like Weezer songs that could be on any of the last records like they put out. Yes, there's an orchestra behind them, but it doesn't actually change anything about them. They still sound the same. And they're still talking about the same old shit. There's literally a song on here where Rivers is singing about listening to audiobooks. I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. <laughs> are, are we done with them then? Is, I mean, I've been, to be fair, I've been done with them. There's like, one exception. Blue album, white album. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the white album. They've had they've had a handful of times where they've been able to come out of nowhere and be like, "Hey, look, we can still put a record like this out." This is not one of them, though. Uh, <laughs> is what I'll say. And I feel like Rivers is getting into his old man mode too. Here, there is a song that he's literally complaining about people being absorbed and watching screens. It's like, come on, are you eighty? Like. <laughs> Welcome, also, welcome it's to a pandemic. What years. else are we gonna do? Um, Fifteen years, which is weird because there's it's no, it's seven. there's another song on the record that acknowledges the pandemic. So it's weird to have those two things juxtaposed next to each other. It's like, wait, so you're acknowledging that we're stuck at home in this one song, but in the other song, you're complaining about a young girl watching your screen too long, and it's like, what are what are you trying to say here? That so, young girl was his daughter. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. actually probably um so yeah i don't know if i'm sorry and that young girl was me <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story um so no uh i thought it was boring it's it's a weezer album don't let the orchestration fool you um so it is what it is i don't know if you're a fan of their most recent work then i guess check it out but i'm not so i did not have a fun time with it so this was not okay. No, it is not okay. And also, the name barely makes sense when you consider what this thing actually is. So I'm guessing like, oh, I guess it's called that because OK Computer was like a career pivot for Radiohead, and it was them experimenting with something they hadn't done before. So I guess this is Weezer doing a similar thing, but really it's not. So I don't get why they would choose this record to be called this. There's no reason for it to be called this. Because OK Cupid is already a thing. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So that sucks. Uh, and, and so is OK it. KO. Yeah. It's way better. And so is the OK Corral. Yeah. Everything's OK. Turns out. So is OK Cola. Do you remember OK Cola? It was all right. <laughs> I, don't, I, I was too young to have any of it, but I do know it existed. Wait, you're too young to have? <laughs> well, I mean, OK Cola was out in like 95 or something. And your parents didn't let you drink OK Cola? I mean, I was probably having Coca-Cola with like Happy Meal or something like at the McDonald's, but I wasn't, you know, making any choices about what sodas I was buying. I was five. Right. Like I wasn't going to be like in a, in a Ralph's and be like, oh, that has a cool like indie comic art on it. I'm going to buy that case of OK Cola. No, I was five. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, little Matt. This is this is to this is our to our audience, our media boat <laughs> audience. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up the Wikipedia article for OK Cola, and you'll thank me later. Moving on, just just go into that Wikipedia tunnel. 
Yeah, just I actually went down a Wikipedia tunnel in, uh, for sodas a couple weeks ago, and yeah, it's it's wild. It's there's some wild stuff in there. <laughs> All right, speaking of wild stuff, bring back Pepsi Blue. Video games, <laughs> no Pepsi Edge. Come on. Oh no, 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 bring back Pepsi Blue. That was that was shit. Pepsi Crystal. They did bring back Clear. Crystal Pepsi. I yes. I tried a Crystal Pepsi two years ago, and it sucks. <laughs> That's I why, see why they, they came back the one time. Yeah, I see why they got rid of it after all, the first time. <laughs> anyway, let's Anyways, continue. As we're talking about video games, uh, we have new releases, including, new. including the Niho collection for the PS5. Neo. Yes, that's what I said, Neho. Not to be confused with Neo, the artist. Right. Or Neo, the Matrix guy. Yeah, very different. Yep. All right. And also, Werewolf, colon, the Apocalypse, <laughs> dash, Earthblood, for <laughs> the PS4, the PS5, the Xbox One, the Xbox Series X, and the PC. So if you want to get your werewolf on, you can do it on every platform, except, except the Switch. The Switch. <laughs> All right, let's get this video game news, shall we? First up, Google, or rather Alphabet. Now, this is a Google thing. It's Google. It's Google. Okay, so Google is officially shutting down its first ever dedicated game studio. Yeah. Which had been founded as part of its beleaguered Google Stadia cloud gaming service. (laughs) Kotaku editor Stephen... Totillo confirmed the news on Monday ahead of Google posting its own formal statement on the matter. And it means Stadia games and entertainment will soon be no more. According to one source familiar with Stadia <laughs> operations, mm-hmm. if there are any operations to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> This move will, of course, impact the combined 150-plus staffers for the Endeavor, headquartered in both Montreal and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Google may rehire those staffers at other divisions. Yeah. So this is the newest wrinkle, the newest chapter in the Stadia story. Um, I think there's two ways to think about this. One, sucks for the people who are working on these games, games they've likely believed in and wanted to ship on Stadia, or ship, I guess, in quotes, on Stadia. Um, a lot of talented people were working at the studios. I believe the uh, the game studio was headed by Jade Raymond, former Ubisoft um, uh, creative developer who used to work on the Assassin's Creed franchise back in the day. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of talent bleed here. Maybe they'll be put in other positions at Google, but seeing as there's no other video game development at Google, there's not a whole lot of plate for a bunch of programmers to go. Uh, the second thing, the, but the second take here is that no, this does not mean the Stadia is dead. Uh, this is just internal game development there. So they do say that they will continue to promote, Google will continue to promote a Stadia as a platform. None of the technology will go away. They'll just be focusing on working with third parties to get third-party games on the Stadia platform going forward. Um, all but I can this say could is... could be another Google Glass on our hand. Yeah, all I can say is that that's Google. This does follow the Google trend of introducing things. And once they realize that their money sinks and they can't get a success out of them, they terminate them early. 
this is yet another one of those, uh, more or less. We'll but at least they invested in the technology because the technology, weirdly enough, is the part that works. You know, if it wasn't for Gmail, none of these things would even matter. Yeah. But uh, hey, although, at least we have Google Docs. I do want to say, with. if you want some fun, fun retro listening, our listeners, wind the tape back to the, the Stadia premiere because I it still makes me so, it still makes me laugh so much that I was so negative and you were so positive on Stadia when they first announced that thing. You were not letting me have any negative things to say about Stadia. And I don't know, seems like I've ended up on the right side of history on that one. <laughs> I mean, there is no right side when I'm trying to be <laughs> optimistic. Sure. I think ultimately Stadia has come out on the other side as being a thing that works for some people but is not the widespread success that they thought it was going to be. I mean, you were right in that broadband was not there yet for everyone. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even with everyone stuck at home, there wasn't a big push to just for Stadia. Yeah, in a time where, yeah, we're all stuck at home with internet constantly on. And in a world where next generation hardware, whether you're on the PC or the console side, is extremely hard to come by, this would be the time for Stadia to be a huge success. On paper, this is Stadia's moment. But And they blew it. They blew it. They blew it so long ago that they didn't even have the, the, like the, the runway to where they could get here to be a success. They, every step of the way, made the wrong decision. One, by not make by making the games a la carte instead of making it a subscription where you got the games for free. That was the first mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's just avalanche from there where they just cannot maintain their own games. They can't be an, an evangelist for their own platform anymore, which means that the third parties are basically going to have to use the existing Stadia for what it does now. And they can't be proven by Google themselves about what else they can do with the service. So yeah, it's, it's just a missed opportunity all around that Microsoft is going nice. to, and Microsoft is going to compact, like is already in the process of, and Amazon with their Luna service. They're both in a position right now to do everything that Stadia did and even better. Right. Game Pass Ultimate is the thing you want. I haven't even Microsoft. tried. So I haven't tried any of the cloud stuff on Game Pass Ultimate, but I am paying for it. So maybe someday I'll try it out, but we'll see. All right. We'll see. Uh, and lastly, in video game news, run it back, as Alabama says every year. <laughs> and then Clemson said the one year and then failed. <laughs> and then the Ohio State said and failed. Yeah. And then LSU said and failed. But really, hey, Alabama's if, the only one who's able to do it, able to run it back. What do all those have in common? Um, they're both considered the D-League for the NFL. <laughs> Which is? Which is college football. College football, that's right. As Madden NFL developer EA has announced it's making a new college football game. Yes. How long has it been? <laughs> it's been so long. Wait, no, I can't make that joke. Yeah. No, uh, I was going to say it's been so long that the kids who had sex in college and had a kid from it are now in college? No, no, not true. Not quite. 
but it has been so long that one of the last ones, uh, the 2010 edition of the college game, had Mark Sanchez on the cover. <laughs> That's how long ago this was. Yeah. Uh, EA's last college football game was released way back in 2013. Whew. But now, as you can see in the announcement below, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's making a comeback. <laughs> it's below us. Well, it's below you. Right there yeah. on the YouTube. Right, yeah, that's below. Yep. Uh, right now, we know precious little uh-huh. about the return of the series, but it would appear the game is currently operating under the name EA Sports College Football. Real creative name, guys. Good job. The new EA Sports College Football game won't be coming back this year. In fact, EA hasn't even said when it's ready to announce further details about the forthcoming game. However, EA is planning on moving forward with the game without rosters that includes the names, likeness, or images of real-life college football players. So I understand you have additional news about this that you texted me that wasn't in this story. So do you want to elaborate on the specificities of the deals they're making? Oh, yeah, here. Let me uh, read you what I sent because... Clearly, you decided not to include this into the uh, notes here. Well, it was on my phone. <laughs> and so is a text on your phone. <laughs> so, per EA making a college football game, and why it's not referring to the NCAA, well, well, EA Sports partnered with Collegiate Licensing Company, also known as CLC, to make sure it had the... Uh, FBS schools, tradition, uniforms, and playbooks, among other things, ready to go for the game. Over 100 teams will be in the game. For now, EA Sports is planning to move forward without rosters that include the names, images, or likeness of real college players. Current NCAA rules prohibit athletes from selling their name, image, and likeness rights while in college. Now, as we have pointed out previously on this podcast, that can all change. There is legislation in California to allow collegiate athletes to sell their NILs, name, image, likeness, NILs. We're just going to shorten it from now now on. To sell their NILs while they're in college, meaning they're no longer amateur athletes, but paid athletes yeah this is a huge contention with the ncaa and as we've seen with coronavirus this year they are the main money makers for colleges as they basically forced the players to play even though as we've reported on several colleges including one of the top four schools the ohio state and even alabama and even Mr. Co- Mr. College COVID himself, Trevor Lawrence, all caught all caught COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fine. They, but still, they put these players' health at risk in the name of college football. Yeah, I, I forget where I was going with this soapbox thing. I, I get what you're saying, though. It's that litigation is tending, like is pending. So we mm-hmm. could see a different situation by the time EA is ready to make a deal. Um, but that being said, regardless of how this all pans out, 
the EA knows there's a market for a college game, no matter how it's delivered. People want to play the teams, even if they don't get the players, and even if they don't get my favorite part that will be impossible to bring back without the NCAA's help, which is the mascot game. Bring back the mascot game. <laughs> if I can't play my college football game with the mascots as all the players, it is not a college football game. <laughs> but most people are not me. So I think right, that, but it's also why yeah. EA is saying it's college football and right. not NTAA sponsored because right. that is a whole other beast that they would have to get in bed with that currently, much like myself and people I know, aren't too keen on the NCAA. Also, right. that's the will it other... even still be around? Yeah, that's the other part of this story is that even if they did end up dealing, doing a deal with that, there's a certain audience where that would actually be a bad idea. Um, so yeah, there's, they have to really weigh- Especially the audience of the players who will yes. be portrayed in the games. Yes, it's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a tightrope for them to walk, I think in a lot of ways, for them to figure out how to do this, how to proceed with it. Yeah, it's gonna be, gonna be wild. But if you're a casual gamer who doesn't care about any of that stuff, <laughs> college football is college football. And you can, even you, can take the University of Houston to the college playoffs against Syracuse and then pound Syracuse's ass into the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless, EA knows that putting a college football game on shelves is a license to print money for them, okay. no matter what. So this is why they're getting back in this business, regardless of the hoops they'll have to jump to to get there. Right. Uh, lastly, in video game news, it's not here because it's very slight. The Madden, or not the Madden cover, the yeah. MLB The Show cover yeah. has been announced and the artwork has been revealed because it's going on Xbox. Yeah, this is the only news really here is that the first, this is confirming the story from a while ago, which is, uh, that Sony said that the ML next edition of MLB The Show would be multi-platform. Well, it's confirmed more or less because there's an Xbox version. No mm -hmm. word on a PC or Switch version at this time. Um, but yeah, the weirdest part about all of this, of course, is there's a fat PlayStation Studios logo right on that Xbox box, which is really fun. Um, somebody on the internet pointed out, though, that this will happen again, except the reverse later this year, as Psychonauts 2 has been confirmed for the PlayStation platforms, a game published by Microsoft Studios. So yes. the reverse will happen later this year. You will have boxes with Microsoft Studios branding for the PlayStation. I wonder if this is the trade-off deal that they make. It's a one-for-one -one deal where <laughs> if you do one, we'll do one. I don't think versa. so. Because I think the popular assumption here is that the league is making them do this. In but order then to Psychonauts? <laughs> no, the league... No, Major League Baseball is, no, is encouraging but Sony to do this. That doesn't explain the Psychonauts, though. Right. That's because there was existing deals for Psychonauts to pre, that pre existed prior to the Microsoft buying uh, Double Fun. Oh, right. That's why. Yeah. Both of those, yeah, that's a different situation. It'll that's be, right. Yeah, it's like with the Obsidian. It'll be the same case. Uh, Outer yeah. Worlds be already having a deal in place before it was so the outer worlds actually wasn't affected by that because outer worlds had a publishing deal with 2k's private division prior right, to the microsoft deal right so private divisions logo is on the playstation boxes not microsoft 
yeah. this is different. Um, mm -hmm. It'll also be the case uh, in the future if any of those Bethesda games come out on PlayStation platforms. Those will be Microsoft Studios games as well. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. All right. So that does it for video game news. It sure does. But I understand, speaking of football, you were a little late to the party, but you've been playing a football game. So I played Madden 21. I did not buy Madden 21. Okay. I did not pirate the game. Okay. Because of the Pro Bowl this past weekend and because they were advertising a new SpongeBob field. Yes. <laughs> they gave uh, the demo free trial version for the whole weekend of Madden 21 to everybody, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, what have you. So, uh, seeing this deal immediately, I downloaded Madden 21 and started streaming someone awesome yes. making his way through the NFL. Someone awesome back on the field again. Back on the gridiron. Legend of the gridiron, someone awesome. Legend of all sports, someone yes. awesome. Multi-talented. Yep. Um, the uh, what's-his-face of his day, that, that dude who played multiple sports, I forget his name. Uh, Deion Sanders, primetime. Bo one. Jackson. Yeah, Bo Jackson. Thank you. I was thinking about Bo Jackson. Like, I, like all the time, I, I, I was thinking about Bo Jackson. <laughs> Anyways, um, anyway, so I got to choose college. There was no <laughs> the Ohio State University because I broke on. But instead, I went to the U. Oh, the U. Yep, because I was available. Okay. Um, you can check out. The Adventures of Someone Awesome on our YouTube page. Also, I streamed this on Twitch. Some of it is still archived there for the next, I think, week. Because it's run on a two-week basis. Uh, but, oh boy, am I glad I did not buy this game. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. Rewind the tape real quick. Because if you recall, when I talked about Madden 21, the day it came out, when I was able to play the beginning of it, I pointed out that it was extremely buggy and that it seemed like a lot of things weren't working. Is that still the case um, several months later? Uh, yeah, kind of yeah. buggy. Uh, it seemed like they smoothed a lot of those kinks out, but a lot of it is still... I don't like their layout. Their layout is weird. The menus are weird. The menus are really weird. I did uh, enjoy I the... Of, I did all of their... Um, modes mm -hmm. uh even yes I even went to franchise mode as an owner for the rams and did what they should have done and essentially what they eventually did was trade jared goff and some first round picks to <laughs> detroit for matt stafford onto the team <laughs> yeah. uh before that trade went through and i realized that i could do that I also picked up Colin Kaepernick out of, off free agent wires, and he was our backup on the team. <laughs> I actually don't know how that went because we didn't make the playoffs. I only know that much. Wow. Uh, but yeah, then I had someone awesome uh, do that career mode, which isn't a weird, weird setup timing because he's in the his high school gym giving a post interview, like looking back on his career. So it's all 
in a flashback, essentially talking about his career, but you're currently playing his career, forming the story as he sits in his gym, basically reminiscing on his time in the NFL. So even if you do suck <laughs> and don't make it to the playoffs in your first five years, like I did, uh, yeah, because as, as I tend to do, because it's a video game, I was the quarterback and I did not hand the ball off to the running back at all. All passing plays all the time. You're still considered like a legend of your high school and they're still getting this interview even though you kind of maybe failed at the NFL because <laughs> it is possible to be run out of the league. <laughs> I mean, really, this is the Mark Sanchez story except he did make it to the playoffs once. Oh, I did eventually uh, get traded uh, to make it to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl where I lost on some bullshit buggy ass. Um, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I lost. <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, this is the pass on the Madden game. Clearly the season's over. I expect this to drop down to the bargain bin of $10 somewhere. Even then, you shouldn't pick it up. <laughs> yeah. But hey, it was free, and I enjoyed every aspect of it being free. Uh, including the new stuff being the yard, which was seven on seven. Uh-huh. High flying, air it out. Terrible, terrible gameplay. <laughs> oh, is it bad? Because yeah, it's I like Blitz without the fun work. stuff of Blitz, right? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get it to work. It was, you run around, you hike it to the quarterback, but the quarterback's supposed to run around because you're supposed to toss it off to someone else who's supposed to be the quarterback, but you're the quarterback. It's weird. And like rules don't matter in that thing. Um, I did Madden Ultimate Challenge for the Mutt team as well. Mutt. That was weird because yep. you it gave you packs, but you had to go to a other screen to open all the packs it gave you. And I was wondering why my team was so shitty. Because <laughs> I was like, hey, I thought I'm getting packs. Where are my packs? And I was like, I go to the store. I was like, oh, open all 15 of your packs that we have sitting here. And I was like, well... That would have been helpful. I shot my team up by 15 points. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, that helps. Now this seems to be easier now. Yeah. <laughs> Only I had known this earlier. But yeah, super buggy, super weird. Don't like the menu layout. It's a pass on Madden 21. I did really enjoy the interstitial stuff. The overall like themes, like they're super colorful and like modern looking. I liked that part. Mm -hmm. But there's only so far that they can take you. I mean, it's only so... Okay, so you're talking about the yard, right? I'm just talking about in general. I was playing... I think the only game I played was a regular exhibition. Okay. But yeah, well, I thought a lot of the, the window dressing stuff was cool. Okay, well, in the yard, yeah, not everyone on your team wears the same uniform. Also, there's a different mode uh, called a champions mode or something. I forget what it's called, where you pick up different guys as you go along and like different superstars to throw on your team and you're supposed to win four games in a row. But none of your uniforms match. It's weird. 
because you're supposed to be on the same team, but there are all these very variations on what's on your team mm. jerseys. It's not the same pattern. And I'm like, why would you do that? Just make it all the same because it's a uniform. Uni means one. And it's weird. So yeah, uh, I'm giving bad vibes to Madden 21, which, you know, you figure after six months on the market, they should have fixed some of this stuff, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. But I will say that the uh, SpongeBob thing was fun. (laughs) It's fun to play in. Bright colors, some Krabby Patty SpongeBob-esque decor in the background <laughs> but there was no slime zone so i was disappointed in that okay so it didn't reflect the real one that we've now seen no but that <laughs> would have been cool if there was a slime zone yeah that you could say that literally about every video game it would have been cool if there was a slime zone developers slime zone add slime zones to your games and with that did you play anything uh, I mean, if you count, uh, I got gift. Friend of the show, Christy, gave me an early uh, birthday gift um, over a month ahead of my actual birthday uh, in the form of a year subscription to the New York Times crossword. So that's kind of a game because it's an app on my iPad. <laughs> but beyond that, no, I did not play any video games. I understand some stuff just hit um, some hit game pass. Some new stuff hit game pass that I might check out. Also, the free games are up for PlayStation Plus that we talked about last week. So if you haven't played Control yet, that is now up in its Ultimate Edition form. So I may give that a little download. Um, Other than that, no, I haven't played anything new. I'm waiting to see if I can maybe get my hands on a PlayStation 5 when those become available. But that's a question mark right now. Okay, yeah, I might uh, play Control since I have to delete Madden from my console. (laughs) <laughs> you have to it was so bad it's forcing you i mean the free the fact that it was free is forcing me as well yeah also when um also when the super bowl is over football is over you have to remove all football from everywhere your your world has to be removed from football because you know what that means it's time to get hyped for baseball season right but i can't change this logo behind me into <laughs> nah, <a new> <laughs> it's, it's fine it's fine it's just yeah, it's just a memory it's a memory just right there in the back of my head. Yeah, literally. You literally. block it. You're blocking it right now. So you're so you're totally okay. Nobody will know. All okay. Right. So that does it for us here then. That does do it for this edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Went a little long, but not as long as I thought we would. Uh, thanks to thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. For now, if you want to watch us in video form, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. Find our page, like. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, the usual bullshit. If you want to listen to us in audio form, you can find us on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those, and more. If you want us to see us on social media, we're on Twitter. Our handle is at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, search Podcast. find our page there. Comment there as well. Email us if you have questions, comments, anything about the show at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com find your old writing at mediaboatpodcast.com and uh yeah i think that'll do it for the plugs so thank you for joining us we'll be back next week for another edition we'll be Um, talking about all sorts of stuff like super bowl uh and 
probably other other things that I can't think of right now. No, that's the big thing that's coming. Big thing, Super Bowl, yeah, for sure. So enjoy on Sunday. Um, Too bad you can't have your big get-togethers, but get your own self a tub of cheese and dip or guac or whatever you want to dip and just enjoy yourself. Uh, I might stream Control if I get some time. Okay. Um, That's on Twitch. You can also find us on Discord. Search Media Boat Podcast on there. Indeed. And yeah, we'll be back next week with more stuff. Yep, yep, we'll be back. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.